Attention Pokemon players, you are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. On today's cast, Chuck can't find a Whimsicott. Jake pulls two Zards. Triple P goes to full grip. And we are joined by a random Canadian guest. How are we doing today, Chuck? Uh, we are doing real good, real good. And our random Canadian guest is a true Canadian. Yes. Not just an internet Canadian. Exactly. Not one of the VPN Canadians right now. No so. VPN Canadians here. We got the true thing right. <laughs> so how was your week, my friend? <laughs> it, it, it was good. It was good. Uh, I had a busy, busy week of uh, testing because like you said in the intro, we went to full grip and I was determined to take something new. Right. Not, so um, I had a lot of different testing to choose between the deck I wanted to take. So it was a, it was a fun, fun day of fun week of playing a lot of Pokemon. Right. Uh, same here. There was a lot of testing involved. Um, I did not go something new, um, but there was also a lot of card openings. Uh, a lot. Of, uh, it was it was release week. Uh, so everybody was open in packs. Uh, it, besides the full grip, I had uh, our local Adam come on and we did a stream opening of seven of his booster boxes plus two ETBs. I never knew you could be so fatigued opening packs. Um, <laughs> and then right after that, he jumped onto the team challenge and actually won um, the team challenge for the store that I'm already representing. So he's the second member on Sports Car Junction. So congratulations, Adam, on that. I'm Super pumped that you're on on my side because uh, you're a very talented player. Um, but yeah, it was a very packed week. Um, and as we said, we were testing and I, I um, you know, thought, hey, what better to get a, a, a person that I test with um, often, at least lately, to come on and talk about some Pokemon with us and some PTCGL. Um, so today's guest is Ryan Kratz, a.k.a. Prof- uh, Professor Elm. How are we doing today, my friend? Thanks for having me. I'm doing quite well. A, a little tired from after the gym, but we get through it. Nothing, right. nothing a bit of a protein shake and fix, and we're all good. That's right. And since, that's and right. since I'm a token Canadian, I got to have maple syrup with it. Right. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it got to sweeten it up a little. You have to sweeten it up. No, that, 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 those, uh... that doesn't sound good, though, in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't knock it till you try it, Chuck. I, I, yes, I'm not. I can't, I can't but. Yeah, right. So, um, Ryan, so um, for who, for those who might not know who you are, um, let us know a little bit about yourself and um, a little bit about your Pokemon career. Sure. Uh, So I go by the name Professor Elm on Twitch and Twitter. Um, uh, I I currently am an accounting manager uh, in Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, In my professional Pokemon career, uh, I do, I have had a few online events that I've done well in. Uh, I've top forward uh, Sunday Open, uh, top eight numerous events. Uh, I'm still waiting for my big win, but I, right. you know, since IRL has transitioned, I've kind of transitioned away from the online scene a little bit. And I, I've been really trying to take my game very highly to the next level when it comes to IRL. Uh, I'll be traveling to at least New York and Vancouver for regional trips coming up. Right. Uh, I, I may play at plan on doing one more regional on top of that, along with NAIC in hopes of the long shot that I do get my world's invitation. Um, I currently sit in a top 50 in Canada position when it comes to points as Let's of go. two years ago. So hopefully, <laughs> we, can, still hopefully we can get a few. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so hopefully we can still get those points and end up getting there. And, right. Uh, right. Make, make a nice trip to London. 
right it's i was actually just talking with my cousin before the cast um and he, i was telling him about like just the, the the regionals and the point systems and i was looking at him i'm like man now that um all the local events are closed like chuck and i have no points because we got into the game right before uh you know the the, the pandemic hit um so I'm looking at it and like, I'm going to two regionals, even if like by a long shot, I win both of those. I'm still not there. <laughs> I'm at 400 points. I have no other ways to get them unless, you know, internet's again. So it's a very long shot unless I win, you know, <laughs> going, going in Columbus and winning. So um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's fun. <laughs> my, my goal is I'm just going to win NA, NAIC and that right. that's the ticket right there. I right. think. Well, I mean, second place is 400. So if you at least get what top, top well 400 eight. doesn't get you there yeah i know if you get top to win. eight at a regionals and second at internats you got it right there from zero points <laughs> but you know what the prize if you do come in second place the prize money will take you to london anyways right and the yeah, trip okay. is definitely worth it as well exactly well, we have exactly so it's not Making even just final table at naic that's the that's the ticket right there that is it. <laughs> All right, Ryan. So we have a certain or a, a standard set of questions. We ask everybody on their first time uh, coming on the cast. Um, so are you ready for those standard four? Uh, ready as I'll ever be. All right. I'll start this one off today. Um, this one is, you know, um, a pretty, a pretty softball question, but what is your favorite starter Pokemon? Or I guess, what, what is it? The, the first partner or partner Pokemon? Um, yes. It doesn't matter what generation. What is your favorite um, of all generations? Uh, Grookey will always be my boy. I absolutely love Grookey. Ever since Grookey came out, uh, he's always been just like the top guy, you know? Right. You, you know, when, when you first see that opening scene, you know, you see Scorbunny picking on Sobble, and then Grookey comes in like a real champ and, right. and, gets, and gets in there and helps him out. So I'm, I'm all Grookey. I'm team Grookey. Hashtag so, Grookey gang, baby. <laughs> if you mess with Grookey, you get the bazooki. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. It's unfortunate. I, I love Grookey, but the further up the evolution chain he goes, I don't really like Rillaboom that much, unfortunately. Uh, but I do love Grookey. That's fair. <laughs> all right. I'm going to move into the next one. Um, now we're going to. We're gonna say what is the favorite Pokemon of all Pokemon? Oh, uh, I will have to say, without a doubt, my favorite Pokemon is Nido King. I absolutely adore Nido King. I love Nido King. It's it's been my favorite ever since I started playing. Um, I have a very vast collection of Nido King cards. Um, I actually have a plan of getting a Nido King tattoo. Let's go. There you go. So um, Nido King has just been my boy thrashing around, corn mm. drilling, you know, just taking names. <laughs> right. So was yeah. there anything specific that drew you to Nido King um, at the start? Nido King was just like a big, strong guy. And like, how can you not respect the king? Right. You know, yeah. so it's like as a youngster, it's like you know, you're just like, man, I would just want to play with the king. He's Nido King, like you know. Right. So right, you, you always try to save that Moonstone. You, you get that Nidorino, and you just bam, there's your king. And then <laughs> you just thrash around, and no one stands a chance, and it's just a good time. There we yeah, go. He's the OG king. I mean, that that's got to be really a bad selection. Nido King goes all the way back to base set. So honestly, I'm so upset there hasn't been a new Nido King card since I believe Lost Thunder when they did the. Um, the one that does extra damage of Nido Queens in play. Oh man, yeah, I know it. Pokemon, that get that, about. get get on that. We need some of these um, 
you know, Gen One that aren't Charizard right. <laughs> coming back it's, in. This it's, been, it's been over four years. My heart is broken. Right. It, it, the time is coming eventually. I, I, I suspect you can't go another four years without a Nido King. No. Maybe one comes that. around. Maybe Nido King's in Spain. Who knows? Maybe. You just take a vacation. <laughs> All right. So going on to the next, what is your favorite card um, in the Pokemon TCG? Now, this can be currently standard or it's any, any card in the past um, for any various reasons. So it could be art. It gave you success um you know anything like that i would have to say my favorite card of all time would have to be the full air buzzwall from crimson invasion uh buzz rock was like the one deck that i really got into when i first started playing competitively right and and, and buzzwall again kind of like neo king just a big tanky guy um, you know ready to take names strong you know, the, the attacks were so good and you paired it with Max Elixir. It, you just put so much early pressure, especially on those Zorak play, players. Right. And you just go to town. It's like, I, I, I don't think they're, it's like, it, it was just a nice card given the situation of like what the format was. So I just continued playing it and I've seen so much success with it when it came to like cups, challenges, what have you. Ah, that's, that's a beautiful reason right there. Nice. All right. So now the, the one that always causes the most current controversy, I guess, that's the big one. What is the worst card or your most hated card in Pokemon history? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, a controversial one. Uh, I think the word, I would have to go with Battle Compressor. Uh, okay. The sheer power that Battle Compressor has over a game and, and how it exploded the expanded format. And even then standard at the time with Night March, I believe it just, I, I was always under the mantra that thinning is winning. That's always what myself and like the Lions, my old play testing group said, thinning is winning. Right. And Battle Compressor is straight thinning. <laughs> so when you're playing that card, you're winning. And, and yeah. there's never been a situation where you're Battle Compressoring and you're not achieving what you want to do. Right. So I, 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 I firmly believe that Battle Compressor especially early on is just such a game-changing card that it really turned off some people towards the game and i really think it's a card that should have never been necessarily around even though it synergized so well with some other things right i mean when when that card came out that was you said night march and into i wasn't in that meta but to my understanding night march was even more like a lion share of the meta than even like a mu v max uh currently is it was just it felt like at least it sounded like it was like 50 percent of the meta was night march at the time oh yeah well I, it, it was just so powerful like you had this 30 hit point joltic that just hit you for tons of damage and the most you would ever see is probably the whale lord at 250 mm -hmm. and, and i believe that was even lightning weak so uh, most things were even like 220 for megas and, and Megas were barely even played. I think there was like a Manetric. No, yeah, there was the, the dog. I think, yeah, Manetric. And uh, it, I think that was like the strongest thing. But you played Battle Compressor early. And I still think Computer Search was even still in the format. So mm -hmm. you, you could even just thin so much. And you, you just got so much draw and power. And, yeah. and then you were thinning. And then by turn one and two, you're hitting massive amounts of damage, taking two prizes very early. Um, right. It just swung games so favorably and that's and that's how spread decks got you know more prominent in the format right yeah no, that's, I, that's I haven't a... really i haven't really seen a card since that just like is just go discard stuff like 
I mean, that is just a busted card. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. Pokemon may have realized uh, the mistake after uh, it happened, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's I, why they're not. Uh, I, I could, I could see the thought process if you're making a deck that you, you know, you're throwing out these ideas of getting rid of cards from your deck that gonna boost damage, so you want to add that in there. But, I mean, they haven't done it since we've started playing. Like, no, Professor Burnett is the closest that we've gotten that's to such something a bad that just searches. Yeah. So, yeah, it just card. searches your deck and discards cards. Otherwise, everything else comes from your hand. So it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Another thing, too, about that format is you play with Shaman, too. So you always have that continuous draw. Yeah. And, and, you, and then you just pair it with Ultra Ball, and you just kept on drawing and drawing and thinning and drawing and thinning. And then, and then you always had – then you had energy uh, special charge, and you just got those energies back. Right. And you only ever needed, like, six energy, and you were just hitting massive damage. That's crazy. So, so yeah, it, it was just insane. That uh, that's that's a great answer and i believe you're the first person that's ever said um the battle compressor so no i i love that answer um and that was a pretty fun thoughtful discussion there around that card <laughs> yeah so uh does that mean we go to trivia now that means we go to trivia it's time, time for trivia trivia all right let's get some trivia because i got a hot question all right if you want me to go first, that you is. can go first. You have a hot question, so you you you've All got right, it. So right. this is this is a little different from anything I've done before, and it's gonna. Uh, Ryan might be good at this because he's got some Pokemon history in his brain. So, mm-hmm. um, the the trivia question I'm gonna give you a Japanese set name, and I want you to tell me the corresponding English set name. As an example, I'll let you know what I'm thinking. So. The Japanese set name was Single Strike Master, Rapid Strike Master. There's two sets combined to our one battle styles. Battle styles. All right. So you get the premise. So I'm gonna these are I'm gonna reach back a little further though. To some that was too ones. much of a softball question. That was that was, too, that was too softball. I I have one that I really wanted to start with, and I have to remember it exactly because it's it's diff- the Japanese set name was called. Offense and defense of the furthest ends. Offense and defense of the furthest ends. See, I'm so bad with like just English names. I'll give you a hint. The set came out in 2006. Oh, wow. So this is uh, EX era. Can I look at the set names? Is that cheating? I mean, I don't care as long as they don't tell you the Japanese set names. No, they won't tell me. The not looking at the I, list I, I'm looking I can't. At. <laughs> I can't think of like any set list names. But if I'm maybe at least reading them, I would be able to figure that out. But yeah, nothing comes to mind. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think you can phone a friend either. I, this is way out of my realm. Right. <laughs> um i i concede i i'm never gonna get this without like this was this this english set name became ex dragon frontiers i don't know how they got there but frontiers because the furthest end i guess but i I thought that was hilarious that that was the japanese set name and then that became dragon frontiers in the u.s yeah i would never have got that (laughs) (laughs) 
all right well the good news is uh there is a lot of pokemon sets so we might get some good other questions out of this i need to start doing my research on old set names now <laughs> you might <laughs> all right so let's go on to mine um we're gonna play that game that i love playing is that name that pokemon this ability goes to today um it is standard legal per the use so this ability name is simply insomnia In insomnia mm -hmm. it is standard legal it's pokemon it's probably like immune to sleeping i mean i can tell you what the ability says if you want me to as a hint i'll go i have ahead. a guess i have a guess but i'll hold off okay so the 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 pokemon ability name is insomnia the, po the ability reads this pokemon can't be asleep that's exactly <laughs> what i said exactly <laughs> uh um can't be asleep uh, i i don't i don't know i'm gonna guess a psychic pokemon but i don't know which one jinx brian uh i'm gonna guess hypno Ooh, that was a good one no it was Honchcrow. oh the one from uh -huh. battle styles nobody has played this one um because it wasn't a very good uh it wasn't a very good card it is a stage two it had the ability and an attack um volt tag dive um if you're uh, it does 80 plus if your opponent's active pokemon has any special energies attached this does another 80 so 160 for a dark and two colorless if they have special energy so just um not quite good enough of a card to see play but i just thought it was a a fun ability name it might you know you know, trip you up a little bit. Honchcrow is not that. That is not what I think of when I think of Honchcrow. Right? Got boss pockets in my brain with the four tools. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the next Honchcrow might be uh, a little bit more playable, holding all those tools, all those uh, belts and or uh, capes of toughness. All right. That was trivia. Now we do our random card madness. Now for Ryan and any other new listener out there, what how this works is I'm going to randomly generate a number uh, between 1 and 172, which is the number of cards in Brilliant Stars, which is the set list we're doing this week, because it's new. Uh, and then It's new shiny. It's new shiny. So we're going to get that number, and we're going to talk about the card that it corresponds to and whether that card is playable or uh, basically bulk. So... I'm going to reach into my random number generator here, and we're going to bring up card number 56. Now, if we consult the list of brilliant stars, that's going to take us to a fan favorite Pokemon of Mewtwo. But it's just Mewtwo, a basic Pokemon, <laughs> 130 hit points with two attacks. Uh, one psychic life sucker attack for 20 damage, and then you heal 20 damage from this Pokemon. And then a psychic psychic colorless, Cyburn attack for 110 damage. Thoughts on Ryan, Mewtwo? Ryan's our guest, so he gets first dibs at this. <laughs> I think that's going in my bulk ETB, and at my first regionals, I'm getting as many cents as I can for it. 
I agree. <laughs> this card <laughs> is a complete bulk rare. One of the worst Mewtwo's I've seen since I've been in the game. Um, the art isn't even that interesting to me. So I, I know it's not playable, not collectible. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get as much um, bulk price as I can to potentially get more cards um, that might be better than this. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find something to talk about positive <laughs> of this Mewtwo. Uh, it's a basic Pokemon. That's about all I got. Um, it's, but it's retreat cost is too. Do like sucker, but uh, there's retreat. not much else uh, to Mewtwo except for the fact that it was Mewtwo. So we got a big name Pokemon, but we got a low name. If it had a Pokemon. free retreat, maybe, but <laughs> it does not. Yeah, do you want? Um, let, let's do another one because there, there's no way that was the, all right. The we'll worst card we've had in quite that, some time. Yeah, that is the the worst one we've had in a while. But hey, it was Mewtwo, so I I gave it hope. Right. So we'll reach back into the number generator, and we got card number one hundred and sixteen. So as I'm lo loading up my set list here and trying to find card number 116, that is going to be another fan favorite Pokemon <laughs> of cast form. <laughs> another basic Pokemon. The number generator is treating us great today. So um, it has 70 HP, one attack, double draw, draw two cards, and then another attack. For one colorless hurricane 30 move a basic energy from this pokemon to one of your benched pokemon that's better than mew at least <laughs> this card is but yeah I, you said it it's better than mewtwo but uh it's cast form it's not very good i just there's i don't find any functionality where you would want to use this in the deck right does, it have, a, does it have a free retreat that's a big thing it, it has one re one cost retreat. Uh, if it was it was a free retriever, you might play it in the Hoopa Moltres Weezing deck as a pivoter, like they would the other cast forms. Right. Only only because that first attack to draw two cards might be just an out to not dead drawing. Right. Yeah. But, um, but, but so yeah. in pre-release, it wasn't horrible because Sharon's care was a thing and that was like the first time you could use Sharon's care to you know scoop up um that cast form in that pre in that format because you're probably not one-shotting it early and it, again like Ryan said it is drawing cards so you're not like completely um dead drawing the start of the game um so that combination kind of was a fun fun one but yeah in standard legal no thank you in GL even in gym leader challenge no thank you um yeah that's going straight into my bulk yep that's another bulk card random card madness did not do us any favors today but sometimes that's the case that's what happens when you get random cards <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so uh now it's time to break for turtwig talking the meta let's go see ryan ladies and gentlemen trainers in pokemon alike you're listening to Turtwig Talks, the meta. This is your host, Ryan, otherwise known as RY for Gaming. I'm joined by none other than the best starter of all time, Turtwig. This week we have 10 tournaments, 913 unique deck plays, and 2,686 matches to cover this week. Without further ado, let's get into those top 8s. Starting off, Rapid Strike Urshifu had 5 top 8s, 
Gengar had six top eights, Darkbox had seven top eights, Jolteon had eight top eights, and who would have guessed it, Mew Genesect at the top with 21 top eights. That's it for the top eights this week. Now, let's head over to those boring meta numbers. Surprisingly, being finished with Fusion Strike, we don't have very much changes. So, all these decks had over a 50% win percentage this week. Those being Mew Genesect, Urshifu Inteleon, Darkbox Inteleon, and Ice Rider Inteleon. The only notable change this week was to Duraludon, and it was down in win percentage by 5%. Everything else pretty much stayed the same or had a small shift. So Duraludon, that's that. Ooh, ooh. what's this? Ooh, a new note. Ooh, Arceus Moltres. It's only been out for a few days and has a 60% win percentage this week. Wow, 2% of the meta and a 60% win percentage only in a few days. Gotta love this. Great job, Arceus. I would like to give some appreciation to our local group at Heroes Inc. Comics by shouting out the winner of our Thursday Locals. This week, Jake won with his Mew Genesect deck. Now it's time for the wins of the week. This week, all these decks had a single tournament win. Starting off, Arceus Dark, Gengar, Ice Rider, Leafeon, and Sylveon. Mew Genesect had two wins this week. And Darkbox took home the gold with three wins this week. Now, TurkTwig worked hard on getting all this data ready just for you. So if you could let us know on Twitter at RY4Gaming your thoughts on this week's report. That does it for this week's TurkTwig Talks the Meta. I hope you all enjoyed and had a wonderful time. Until next time, be safe and take care, Pokemon trainers. And back to the cast. And we're back. Another great meta report. And after the meta report, it's always time to go to the news. Right? So right. this week, there wasn't a whole lot of like notable news. Um, other than we're getting Gen 9 coming out here. And that is Scarlet and Violet. Um, the game was revealed. Um, there's some screenshots kind of showing like the, a little bit of the, what the, the map in the world is going to look like. Um, and this, again, is Gen 9, so we're going to have new Pokemon in the game. And with that, we have the three new starters. Um, and they're a mouthful for me, so I'm going to let Chuck go through all three of them because pregame, you were, you were spitting these out nice um, and smooth. Well, I, I'm going off of the fact that the Poke Beach article said that the world is most likely going to be themed around Spain from the pitchers and then the names of the three, two of the three Pokemon are very Spanish sounding. So the first one is the grass kitty, as we nicknamed it. Uh, it's, I'm going to say is Sprigatito, because uh, Gatito or is Spanish for little kitty. Um, so that's how I, I'm guessing that's how it's right. going. But it sounds um, good to me. That's the grass Pokemon. So we have a little grass kitty. Uh, and then there is Fuococo, is how I'm going to go with the fire Totodile. That crocodile, looks like an apple dragon. crocodile that people yeah. are saying. <laughs> I'm calling it fire Totodile because that's what I saw. When I saw it, that's what I thought of. And then the easiest one to say is Quaxley, the duck, the water duck. So, um, and easily like 
jumped to the top of the fame chart i think i don't uh, uh, quaxley's all over twitter right now i i don't know before i comment on these three i want ryan's opinion first and foremost what do you think of these three starters and which one will you be going with uh i think the starters look pretty good uh it, i i feel like you have a nice collection of, of, of starters right i always feel like each starter gotta have either a cat or a version of a monkey Right. <laughs> so you you have that you have that cat in in, in the grass type. Um, I, I wish they would have done more with the fire dinosaur. I, I I'm not a huge fan of that, but I I'm Team Dapper Duck. Uh, I love Quaxley. Quaxley's the man. <laughs> he, he he's sitting in a top three spot, probably a two or three behind Grookey. Oh man, that high already! Oh, he he's so da- he's so dapper. He he looks like he's about to go and you know hit on your girl and just have a good time. <laughs> you know, he got the he got the little up flow. You know, I I kind of rock it myself. Right. You know, I, I can relate. You know, dude got it going on. I, I as I said, I was looking at Twitter, just like searching. Looking to see what I can see, and I'm seeing a lot of pictures. I seen some muscled out ducks already. <laughs> muscled out ducks. <laughs> there we go. It, well, you need to name him Darkwing Duck then, right? As your starter. <laughs> well, that was that was the the funniest picture I've seen because like you get this for I saw like the third evolution like like spoilers, but they're just people messing around like this ferocious green cat with a and then like a big red dragon crocodile thing, and then right. it's just. It's just uh, Donald Duck. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Oh, man. See, I want to call him Louie, like Donald's, I think, nephews, like Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And I think Louie is the one that wears the blue shirt. So it makes, you know, you have the watertight. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's, go. That's the trick right there. I think for myself, I'm all about Team Grass Cat. Um, I don't like the duck right now, at least. I don't know. Um, I didn't really like the dragon fire crocodile. It's kind of growing on me a little bit, but yeah, I still think, uh, grass cat for me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm on team grass cat. Um, but I'm going to put an asterisk that I reserve to change my vote, depending on the third evolution. Right. Cause if Wakoko gets pretty beastly, I might switch over to, um, <laughs> fire dino crocodile apple because i'll just say for alligator is pretty cool but i don't know if it's going to be a gator or or if he's going to go the dino route it could go either way right yeah time to tell but no it's exciting that we're getting gen 9 um pokemon just seems to be putting a lot of content out there uh video games tcg um all of that good stuff um, and this is going to eventually correlate into the um, TCG. And that's kind of why we brought it up because, you know, new we, we definitely need Pokemon as we go on. Yeah. I mean, definitely signs of a new block imminent, not right. imminent, but. Well, it was in November, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the video game's coming out in November. We can expect a couple months after that for the, yeah. the, uh, the trading card game. Yep, that's that's it for news really, right. that came out this week. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to throw out for all you local Pittsburgh listeners, Heroes Inc. Team Challenge this Saturday. Sign up this week. That's it. Right. And just a I'm reminder that Chuck and I have a friendly bet going on, so whatever one of our teams go further, 
um, you know, we'll, we'll, the, the team that goes um, the least furthest uh, will get punished. So if you want me to win, go ahead and just skip out on this and don't worry no, no, about no. supporting him and then come Wait, over and help <laughs> this, the, that we are on different teams but i'm also running a different stores team qualifier right right here heroes team heroes has nothing to do with our bet so right. we want people to sign up that's right that's right you are team heroes my mistake come play everybody jump on for team heroes <laughs> yeah because i i played at a different stores qualifier and joined their team right via, via winning so we have our bet going but come out to team heroes qualifier get some free pride uh packs for coming and playing so right saturday right exactly all right guys um let's get into the media discussion we have two main topics i want to talk about and they both revolve about live play one being actually live physical in-person play um you know chuck and i we went to the full grip 2k or for the first um real big pokemon event that we've played in since getting into here um and then we also have ptcgl we have ryan on our canadian um guest that is um, a true natural Canadian. He's got his hands on it. He's played um, games with it, had some, you know, experience with the interface and all of that stuff. Um, so which one do you want to go into? Do you want to start with PTCGL or do you want to um, start with live play? Were you, or was that to me? Ooh, yeah. Either one. <laughs> um, I'll let, I'll let Ryan decide whether you want to, we want to jump into talking about the the game right now or do you want to soften it up with some live play you know what let's start with live because I, I feel like talking about irl play is always just more exciting and i feel okay. like ending on a strong note is always the positive no that's a great so, strong answer okay let's get into ptcgl so again last week the alpha version came out for all canadian players um to get their hands on it so which is why we reached out and got a real canadian right exactly um no fake canadians here um <laughs> so um before we even really ask you any uh you know in detail questions what is your overall um feel for the game as you have about a week into playing so uh, i guess the thing that i get from the game is that they try to emphasize getting new players into the game and giving as much access to new players to access the game. Right. Um, they, it's like they want to have it on PC along with mobile. Um, and, and, that, and that goes for iOS and Android. So I, I, can, I can definitely tell that Pokemon really wants to try to get their hands of competitive Pokemon in as many hands as possible. And, and, and obviously the best way to do that is with mobile. Now that said, the client is definitely designed for a mobile-based gameplay. Uh, I feel like a lot of the actions and a lot of the things you do are designed mobile based like you drag and drop stuff like you would drag your finger and drag something down like you would instead of on PPCGO where you just like click 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 boom. Um, that said, it's like I feel like there could be some user interface things that could be that could change, but for the most part, the game runs okay, you know it's still in beta it's still mm -hmm. you know. It's still got some tweaks and things that got to be fixed, but it's still Pokemon in the end. And I think that's, and I think that's what everyone wants. Just a fresh look at how we look at Pokemon TCG. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that, that being said, you kind of said it is more of an interface for mobile. Um, does that 
um, negatively affect your your play experience on a PC or a tablet or anything like that compared to playing PTCGO? Like, are they apples to apples um, as far as just like the, the, the enjoyment of the play experience? I kind of enjoy online a little more. Um, mm. I think the reason is we've, I kind of, we, I think we've all grown accustomed to how Pokemon online works and how, and how we do things on online. You just click and, you know, you kind of know it's what's what and how things go because we've used it for 10 years. Right. Um, so I think there's always that transition of, you know, once you try something new, you got to get used to the new. And I feel like once people start getting used to the new, they'll realize that, okay, this is not as bad as I, I gave it out to be. It's like, and I feel like there's some aspects where it's better. It's like, you know, sometimes you might misclick. Let's say you're doing an Inteleon ping and you accidentally misclick and you click the wrong Pokemon you want to do 20 damage to. Right. Like you're playing Mew and it's like, oh, I clicked on the Pokemon that had the, the energy and I didn't mean to. When you're doing that thing in live, you drag the damage counter and you place it on the Pokemon that you want to do it. So it gives you that opportunity and a little bit of time to, I guess, make your correct decision mm. and, and, and not be so, you know, upfront and quick about it. So it, I, I guess, and, it, and that's where I find that they, they want to get a lot of new players. Cause I feel like when you, when you've kind of grown accustomed to the game, you, you, you've kind of grown to knowing how to play, play quick and, and just trying to get games in as quick as possible. Right. Cause, cause those competitive players, we want to try to get three games in in 50 minutes as quick as humanly possible. Um, but when you're trying to play the game new, you want to know those basics and you want to know how things work and you want to know how, you know, everything kind of just flows. And I think live tries to do that. Like it, it really tries to emphasize, like, you know, when you play an ultra ball, you get rid of two cards, you actually got to drag and select the two cards instead of, you know, on PTCGO, you just click the two cards and click done. Right. That's another, that's another thing too. Uh, on PTCGO, the done button for everything is like on that you know, right corner. Mm -hmm. So there's always times where I accidentally click that done button where right. I think I'm doing an action and it's like, oh, I end turn, you know, what was me? Uh, so, and I, and I don't feel like there's any of that in live. Okay. It's like, the, it's very forgiving in that sense. So I, I, I definitely think it's new player oriented first. I think that's why you see a lot of people not necessarily accepting the game right away. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think you got to see it in a new player's eyes and how they view it. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, and then even for like, you know, seasoned players, like, you know, the three of us playing uh, PTCGO, um, you know, we, there's not a lot of misclicks, but, you know, every so often you have a critical misclick when you clearly wouldn't make the decision in game or whatever that decision may be. But like you said, clicking that, um, that done um, action, we've all done it and skipped our turn. Um, so, I mean, I see, I see value in that. So you, you, you have less opportunity to um yeah you have those misclicks instead of like misplays like misplays are completely different from misclicks so um eliminating the misclicks i think is is a good thing oh, or at least helping yeah. at least helping uh get towards that now with the the newer ui interface is there anything that's kind of maybe uh, frustrating about it um just from the general play standpoint not necessarily like just in general like how the user uh, interface works it's like i i think the interface is fine uh they really try to minimize what's actually on the play field so instead of actually seeing like the full card like you wouldn't pdcgo you kind of see like a blown up version of 
the picture of the card that's there. And you kind of mm. got to hover over or when you're on mobile, actually click the card that you want to see the full description of. So, you know, when you see a Genesect on board in PTCGO, you see the full card, you know, little description on the top. Whereas in PTCG Live, you just see the picture of Genesect along the hit points it has. Right. You don't, and you don't necessarily see like the ability, the attack or anything like that, which I, I think which is fine for a novel or like a competitive player because we all know what the meta cards do and, and you know, we see a picture, we, we're all good, we can assume. But for the new player, I think it could be a bit of a challenge because maybe they don't know what a quick shooting Inteleon is and, they, and they're trying to realize, hey, why is random 20 damage counters coming up on board? Mm -hmm. um, so I think there could be a little bit of given that, like I would like to see some toggles in PTCG Live, especially in the PC version. Like maybe you want to have that old way where you get to see the descriptions of the cards along on the playboard. Uh, instead of just the pictures, like, that's like I wouldn't mind the pictures, but hey, maybe someone that's new would want to see what those cards do, just just on a quick win. Right. Um, and I feel like that's what the beta is going to try to do. There, I think we're going to see a lot more changes come for competitive play in the in the future. I would like to see a lot more function of um, getting more option of you know user interface and just easier playability like maybe for a competitive player actually just do those clicks instead of you know dragging and dropping you know just i guess just those automatic things that we right. we just grown accustomed to um but hey who knows again this is only the beta and i i, and I can only speak of what you know what i what i would like to see and uh what i've seen so far and right. uh i think that, i think that's the big thing i think if we have, if, if there was something that can cater to the competitive side while trying to keep, you know, the casual play and, and new players coming to the game, I think that's, you know, beneficial for everyone. Yeah. One, of the, one of the controversial things I've seen, at least from the competitive players um, that I follow on Twitter, um, are ragging on the, you know, the look of it where your competitors' cards are face up instead of, you know, upside down, like you would see if I'm sitting across the table. Um, do you find that as a, a distraction point or something that impacts you negatively while you're playing? For me, not necessarily, because, you know, I'm always seeing like what I have to do in a, on a turn. Mm -hmm. So I guess the number of cards that they have kind of, you know, determines what they're playing. But, you know, how, how I see the card doesn't really matter too much. It's like when I guess when you're playing an actual game, you're just seeing like a blank card sleeve of a, of a certain color. So it didn't matter what direction it really is in. Right. I, I only I only ever cared about how many cards are in hand, and it you know, if if a Marnie or Professor made more sense at the time. Um. So I, I think it's just a nitpicky a thing that could be fixed with a bug that you know that or right. you know any any kind of update like a patch. So I, I can definitely see it being like one of those things that people can get annoyed about. But I, in terms of like gameplay ability and like, you know, how I see the game, I don't think there's too much of an issue. The only thing I find of an issue is those avatars on the side. It's like <laughs> they, they look like early 2000s, like, you know, safety video avatars. Right. <laughs> you know, and their eyes are very googly and they're very weird and their actions are just really weird. So I put like sunglasses on my on my character because I don't want to see those shifty eyes like go up in his <laughs> forehead and all that weird stuff. So at least the sunglasses just kind of protect, you know, or, you know, don't kind of weird me out. Right. 
Um, and then I, I've seen like after every game, win or lose, there's like an animation with the avatar. So no matter what happens, you're forced to watch like a, a short animation. See, I'm okay with that only because the catchphrases are like 11 out of 10. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I truly hope that they have like a hundred more of these just so we can put them in and just have like fun. Right. Like just, have, just have fun with the sayings. Like, I ate a whole bottle of ketchup. Like, that's hilarious. So these catchphrases that we've been seeing, are those, like, pre-programmed and you can, like, pick from one? Or do you actually type in stuff? So there's about, I would say there's about 25 to 30 different phrases for mm -hmm. the intro and about 25 to 30 different phrases for your victory. So you get to choose, like, which ones you want to use and right. go from there. Of course, you're going to want to choose the funniest ones and the funniest poses. Because, I mean, if you're not, that's, that's sad, you know. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, you go for the ones like, I ate a whole bottle of ketchup or, you know, <laughs> I'm the maddest partier or my personal favorite, you know, don't be mad if you lost. Be happy that I won. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one <laughs> out know? there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, that, that's the new you have a good deck. It, it's that absolutely is <laughs> It's I'm like, going to start saying that at, at locals. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely hilarious. And, it, and it's just playful, good fun. And I think that's, you know, what we want to see in the game. Just more playful, good fun. It's like, sure, you might get tilted. And then you see something like that. And you're like, ah. But, you know, it, it's all in good fun. And I right. think, and, and that's what Pokemon cards should be. Just good fun. Right. Yeah. So I, it's just trying to introduce more of that. And, uh, and I think live is going to do that. Or, yeah, are I, there I anything agree. I was, I was just, sorry, Jake. No, you no, go ahead. no, you it's all you. Uh, I was just gonna ask if there's anything else that you are kind of loving with the, the new user interface or things that they've thrown in that oh for sure. Um the dusting I think is gonna be very, very crucial, especially for new and you know experienced players alike. Mm -hmm. The the fact that your codes that when you put them in and, and you have a certain amount of cards, it all gets converted to dust. And for someone like me that, you know, likes to get a lot of code cards early just to get access to those cards, uh, it's very nice because eventually I'm going to want the good stuff. And the good stuff costs a lot of money and a lot of codes in PPCGO. And, and, you know, sometimes you don't just want to drop like 50 packs to get a gold ultra ball or anything like that. Right. So in the new, in the new system, once you get your four play set, it gets converted to this dust credit system. And you can get your four gold ultra balls for a certain amount of credit. And I think people have kind of figured it out with the celebrations packs where the celebration packs are all hollows and you get ma and you maximize the amount of credits you get. Right. So because of that, you maximize the amount of dusting. And because of that, you get any card that you kind of want in the game. So I think accessibility to those, you know, meta decks are going to be so much more easier than it is right now where we're using the archaic trading system and I, th I think it's also going to help with, you know, turning people off the game because they got hacked or they got an unfavorable trade or anything like that. So I think they're trying to, I think Pokemon is trying to reduce, you know, that aspect of the game just mm -hmm. to maintain a player base and, and a positive image towards it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, now, as far as the conversion rates, I have a, a chart up here. I don't know how accurate it is, but from Poke Beach, at least last week, um, it looks like commons we're getting a um, one to four uh, uncommons is a one to five rares one to four hollow rares one to four Pokemon V is a one to three and then V maxes are one to two point seven three and then the rest are unknown do you um, 
feel that that's kind of accurate? And do you feel that that is fair as far as the trading value um, from what you've seen and experienced so far in, in game? Sure. So I, the one big thing, I guess, when you open up a pack, you usually get the identical pack in PTCGO. The issue is in PTCG Live, you only get five cards. And I think that's going to be a, I mean, it's going to throw people off, but I can understand why they did it. It's like they, they only, they want to make sure that you don't maximize the amount of credits. So things are not necessarily so easy to get. Right. That you could just get anything right away because they're, they're still a business in the end and they still want people to buy the code, you know, get the codes, buy the packs and, 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 you know, get the product so they could actually still, you know, use those codes and not maximize the credit system that they have in the game. So I think that aspect makes sense, but yeah, I, I think the conversion rates are fine and they make sense, you know, the 50, 50 credits, you know, you get 10 credits for a common, and I think you get 50 for, buy, you know, using converting it. Right. So I think that makes sense. You know, uh, you, you're going if as a competitive player, you're going to want those expensive cards anyways. And yeah. if you're going to be opening up packs, you're not going to really want to spend money on the commons or anything like that. So you're going to want to try to, it, it's beneficial to get those 10 credits to get the 200 credits to get a V Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Or the in the certain aspects, a thousand credits to get that gold card. And I and, it's like those gold cards are just going to be, you know, great cards, right? You know, you're going to, you're going to use those for two and a half, three years. And are you ever going to use those 35, you know, Magikarp <laughs> that you have in your bulk on PTC? No, no chance. <laughs> you're not even going to work. You're not even going to use one. So of course. Exactly. Exactly. So give me those 310 credits. Let me recycle it into something that I want. And then let me enjoy the game, how I want to enjoy it. And I think that's okay. how Pokemon wants to see it. You know, they want everyone to enjoy the game. And I think the way they have the credit system and the dusting, I think is the right way to go about it. And does it feel, uh, does it feel that you could get a collection of cards, a collection of uh, a, a new deck quicker or more efficiently um, as, a, um, as a player with the dusting compared to the trading system? Uh, I'll say yes. Uh, because when you when you dust it's like you, you have the ability to hold on to all those credits once you have all the cards you know they you you every any impact that you get going forward all gets converted into dust mm-hmm. you know so that and then you get to hold it off till the new set comes around where in ptc joe sure you could hold on to those pack codes but once the new set comes out the, those pack codes are just you know almost worthless at that point right you know, sure, there might be some packs that might be more valuable than others, but they're nothing compared to the new set. At least this way, when you have the dusting, when the new set comes out, you're ready with a bunch of credits to get to acquire the new cards right away. Right. And I think that and I think that's what's going to, you know, make people happy. The fact that they don't have to worry about spending 40 codes on getting one certain card that might be meta relevant on day one and then kind of fall off the face of the earth the next day. And, 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 you know, not have to spend a whole lot of money to obtain all the product to get it. So I think the dusting system in general is just going to be so much more beneficial. Everyone's going to have what they want earlier. And it's just going to generate more competitive play. Right. Yeah. I, so I'm – go ahead, Jake. No, no, I, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit of another tangent. So if you still want to talk about yeah, that. I, it, I was yeah. going to talk a little bit more still dusting. I, I was just going to say I'm a huge fan of doing the, the dusting system rather than trading. It just – um, it always just felt like like a waste of pack sometimes or just like an overly expensive way to get what you needed. Um, 
I'm just I'm not a hundred percent sold on the ratios on things because I was just kind of doing some simple like simple math on what it would take to get um like a three three line of a V and V max that you would want. And it came out to like five thousand three hundred and twenty-five credits, which is to my math, four thirty-four fully dusted packs of just a basic rare, because that's what you're gonna see most of the time, not necessarily V's. Um, and that's of a set that you're opening. You already have four of the cards. Otherwise, you're collecting a card and not getting dust for it, correct? Yes, you yeah. got it. So I mean, that's not bad. Um, but I just find that might be a little low and little, like the number might be a little high when we're talking about a world where we haven't transferred anything from a set before. Um, sure. A year from the line. Like, because then when something comes out and then there's, maybe three or four Pokemon lines in a set, like in Brilliant Stars, like that you might want, um, then it might be tough to get all three. So then you might be stuck with some choices um, on how, what, how much you could actually create. Uh, but then again, Absolutely. at the same time, though, you are opening all of your packs. So you may not actually need to create a whole three, three line. Maybe it's only a one, two line because you got lucky and pulled them. So yeah, I want, I, I'm not sold. I'm a little, I guess, uh, I don't know, skeptical still at the moment, but I just want to see it in practice. Cause if, if it, if it works, then I'm, I'm for it. I, right. I like the idea and the system. I'm just, the numbers math seems a little high for me, but maybe I'm underestimating how much actual dust I'm going to have. Right. And I think there's, added value to, um, you know, just the value of opening packs. Um, you know, you don't have to hoard them to trade. Um, so again, you can get lucky, even if you don't, it's still, even if it's apples to apples, as far as like just, um, cost per card, you're still getting that, you know, that, that value of opening the cards and, and potentially pulling it, um, and then dusting off, you know, all that extra, uh, resources to potentially get a card that you're trying to get. Um, so, um, I'm still really, really excited for it. I think from what I've heard from Ryan here um, and others just on Twitter, I think the dusting system seems fair and it will be better uh, for at least those competitive players that play regularly uh, to collect the cards they need, especially at a new set. Yeah. And I, I think that I, you, I think we might be able, like currently, like players that are transitioning over might be able to collect enough dust right now, like where they're figuring it out, like right by celebration codes. Like you're going to get so much dust that this may not be an issue because we're, we're working the system and then you're just going to have enough. And then it might just be like maybe a newer players, but maybe they have different ways of getting it, like where they're not worried about it. Like they're getting starter decks or something like that. It just, uh, it all, I mean, it all plays in with the past too, because we saw the screenshots and, and things I, you're getting new VMAX cards in that, in that battle, the, the battle pass, right? the I believe that's like the battle pass like ladder prize or something the, like that the ladder prizes like you're getting good cards in that if i'm not mistaken you 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 are another thing too is the premium pass that you can get uh for a certain amount of diamonds um i wouldn't be surprised if the diamonds become a micro transaction which is fine mm -hmm. i think the i think if they do one of the currencies as a micro transaction to generate more of a premium for certain players to get certain cards or more credits, I'm all for it. You know, as, as someone that, you know, that's in their thirties and has, you know, a stable 
you know, job and can afford, you know, these little premium perks, you know, hook me up. I'm all, you know, I'm all about it. Um, right. And I think the premium pass and the premium pass plus is a good way for those kind of players to just obtain what they want right away. Um, I've tried the premium pass. It's like you jump up 15 tiers and in those 15 tiers, you get a bunch of credits, diamonds, what have you. And you know, that that's what white whales want. They just want everything now. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, and you could just do that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of microtransaction comes to play in that sort of sense. Right. But in terms of like obtaining the credits now, if you have an established collection, uh, I can't really speak too much about it because I'm still on PTCGO because of the team challenge. I've qualified for yeah. one of my local teams. But from what I've seen and heard, uh, if you have an extensive collection, you get a lot of credits converted in. Uh, if right. you held those 126 or 125 loose pack codes or any kind of unopened item, that's 12,500 credits right there. Like mm. you're, you're kind of set. And then anything that's above a play set at a certain point, I think it might be only up to like sun and moon for now or, or some. Set yeah. I believe it was be, sun and moon. Yeah. Yeah. Like anything past the four of gets all converted into credits. And then at another point, anything else, you know, black and white on all get converted to credits, anything more than your four ofs. So eventually you're going to have this huge stockpile built up of just sheer amounts of credits and, you know, anything that you would want going forward because then you're still replenishing yourself, you know, in, in the time ahead by, you know, just generally opening up product, getting product naturally in the game, uh, even getting credits and other currencies in game. And I, I don't think it's going to be so much of an issue if you continuously play it on the regular. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I had one final kind of question when it comes to dusting and just like collecting um, for we're just let's jump ahead a year in the future and we're playing we're a free-to-play player um, what I've done in PTCGO in the past is uh, you know I'll play on the ladder earn all those coins and then was it 25,000 and then convert them into packs as soon as they're available um, is there anything like that where you can kind of hoard coins as just playing and not spend them on anything and then that way whenever like the new stuff comes out it's just easier to get or is that um, not even a strategy you think that's like viable uh, to try to attain as a free-to-play player. Well, I, I, I think you come back to that premium pass. You don't have to get like that premium pass plus. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the daily rewards that they give you are very substantial as well. It's definitely more than like, oh, I got five credits on CGO. I can't wait to win 20 more matches to hopefully get a pack. Right. <laughs> where all my stuff is locked. And then, you know, by the time, you know, by the end of time, you might have one competitive deck. Uh, I, I really think that they've rehashed or Pokemon has rehashed everything to, to accommodate those new players. Uh, and especially ones that don't necessarily want to be uh, overly competitive, but still want to be casual and competitive enough that they keep returning to the game and still have a competitive, you know, edge to it. Right. Uh, I think the starter decks that they give you are a very good indication of that. They give you 10 decks that are, you know, halfway decent and fun. It's like they give you a Zacian Zamazenta deck, you know, a Shadow Rider deck, a, a Suicune deck. Oh, you know. Yeah, it's like they're giving you, they're not like fully meta, but they're still very competitive in how they play. And they definitely thought about it a lot better than they did theme decks. So yeah. it's like it's like they want to have those new players enjoy the card game to a, to a good extent. Right. So they, so they want to build those decks in real life. 
and then they wanted, you know, those players to get those extra cards to make their deck meta. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I think that's what the, I think that's what Pokemon wants in the end. I think they want, they just want those new players to just transition to becoming competitive, and, and then when they become competitive, they become you know longtime buyers of the product. Right. You know, and I and I think that's what they're trying to do, and I think they're going to do it well with live. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for those starter decks um, because I have a, a, a co-worker that I, he started playing online and he he was like, do you like play me online? But he's using like the, the Mind Blast theme deck that they give you on PTCGO. And like, I don't I don't even know if I have anything built on like PTCGO that like is down to that level where he's like just using the starter decks on ptcgo that yeah it's, it's like you're using a glc deck to hopefully you know get yeah. on a competitive level and even right. the glc decks are so powerful nowadays yeah and it's just but trying to like he, he's learning the mechanics and like and and how to how the game just like operates and like trying to explain it to him like afterwards like you know using how v's work and how they're and things like that like having them start with them like in in some form of a starter deck, mm-hmm. um, would be it, it's just nice. Like um, it is, it gets them more applic- app- acclimated to something that they're going to see in a ranked ladder, which is also in the game. Oh, for sure. And another big thing too is they'll see those cards when you see competitive play come back online, and when you see the competitive players play stream. It's like when you see when you play with the Suicune deck, you see all the pieces there in in your casual deck that you would have in game. And but a lot of those pieces still transition to the meta game. It's like you're still using Suicune, you're still using the the quick shooting Intellions, you know the Shady Dealers, Melanie. It's like you would rarely see that in a theme deck. Whereas oh, yeah. now in these starter decks, you're going to see those cards, and you know those new players are going to look at you know a world final. And realize, oh, this is Melanie. I know what this card does, and they can get excited over that. So I, th- I think that's that's going to be a big plus going forward, knowing that hey, I, I kind of understand what these cards do now, and, and how they play. And I think that's going to be so good for everyone going forward. No, I agree. I can't wait um, until it gets you know worldwide launch um, that day. You know, hopefully it's coming in a reasonable amount of time, but is there any um, closing thoughts you want to talk about um, as far as the, the new client of PTCGL? For sure. Uh, I think the big thing to realize it's still a beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people have their hard assumptions about how it runs and, and what you want out of the, out of the client itself, but the client is not complete. It's like they, they have this soft opening for Canadians and pseudo Canadians um, <laughs> to, um, to, to just get a grasp of the game, understand like what the problems are so they can rehash that out and, and be a more complete game going forward. Right. Um, I, I think the pieces are there to be a great, you know, a great client and, you know, show new players how to play and, you know, be user friendly. But I think there, I think there needs to be some steps that cater to the, the already competitive players to, you know, want to them to always come back and use it as a practice place because because right now I, I would love to see more access to larger tournaments online like they would in magic arena or they mm-hmm. would in, in Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, i think they've already established 
you know, how to make those big, large tournaments. And right now, Live only just has a rank ladder. That, that's still kind of weak. Uh, I feel like I would like to see a placing. I would like to know how I'm doing against the rest of the world and, you know, how I stack up. Right. Uh, I, I would also like to see how I stack up versus certain with certain decks. It's like if I'm playing with X deck, kind of like you would playing the video game where it's like you're using a certain team and you're like number 437 in master ball rank with your with your team. Right. I would like to see that kind of system with decks. It's like I'm currently like 397 with my Ice Rider deck. I think that would be really fun. And I think that would be really interesting. And I think that would be something that I would love to see going forward. Make it so that new players still enjoy the experience and want to get competitive, but make the experience still great for the competitive players to always want to return and better themselves. Right. So no, I think that's great. Yeah. So I, I think they're going to do that. Hopefully, hopefully we get larger tournaments. Uh, Limitless is you know, God bless their souls. God, you know, Limitless has been fantastic. But I, I think the ability to have those larger tournaments in PTCG Live should be something that should be addressed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well said. Um, Even no, their I, own tournaments. Like exactly. Players' Cups yeah. and, and exactly. team challenges. Uh, hopefully we'll get those and, and many of the other things that you, we've talked about. Uh, I think, again, it's a huge step in the, in the right direction. Um, for the community at large. Um, I'm excited to see it come out. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, you know, like you said, it's still the beta. There's still plenty of room to grow. Um, and for them to just uh, gather the information and, and take the constructive criticism, if there is valid, um, you know, you know, things to say. And I think they will um, to try to better, you know, better their clients. So they better the community. So really excited yeah. again, like I said. Yeah, I, I think Pokemon is listening, uh, especially since time before. It's like you're seeing those content creators have more broader light, right? And and, and are able to show like you know, hey, th these are the issues. Can you address them a little bit? Whereas I realized in the past that it wasn't so much that way, right? You know, Pokemon was very set in stone and on direct path, but they're 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 listening. They're out there, and I think that they will. You know, they'll listen to the people that are out there on Twitter. You know, on podcasts. And, and and make the game as best as it can be right yeah and I, I i agree that they are listening because we make the joke that like pseudo canadians because <laughs> we have heard we have seen a lot of those casters or or people that are, are run youtube channels that are are playing that and we know that they're not in canada but they were <laughs> they were asked by pokemon to hey right play this tell us how you think you know right. so they are they want some feedback for sure. I agree. All right. Well, let's jump and pivot from PTCGL to actually IRL play. Um, like Chuck and I alluded to, we went to the full grip uh, 2K. And this is the first big tournament that I've been in, like 100 plus players. I know Chuck went to the last one. Um, and then this one as well is a, a lot bigger than the first one that they had. Um, and then Ryan, I know you've played IRL before, um, you know, a whole pandemic. So I just kind of want to do a kind of like a wrap up of what we learned plus you know just just tips and, and and kind of things to look out for as a IRL player um in the in the world of Pokemon so Chuck let's let's start with you though what did you learn from your experience um playing IRL in a big tournament at this full grip uh well this is twice the size of the last 
one K I went to for fusion strike. So uh, this is big and they did best of three this time, which was more is more of a regional style as far as I know. And that uh, is a grind. Um, just playing like, every game, every round I played was three games. So um, the grind is real. Like <laughs> I did not have any downtime from from game round to round, just very little like breathe, you know, shove a snack in your face, like after six hours of playing. Um, it's just, that was a little bit of a, the, the best of three world is a little eye opening and, and a learning experience for me. Right. Um, playing the games. I like we've done a few tournaments locally, best of three. So you, you get the idea of how you have to finish and, you need you need to call it when you know when it's highly unlikely that you're gonna like where you just need to save time right so you play three games um but the meant like the grind of doing it at a large tournament that was new and that was learning like just getting my i gotta get my mind ready for that next time again right. too right all right um, so yeah that, i mean I was just going to ask Ryan um, how he feels about um, best of threes IRL. Um, not necessarily um, revolving around any specific meta, just uh, how you manage your time um, and, and things you do in a tournament of that scale to try to keep yourself mentally prepared and not burn out. So, or, you know, like, like I did, maybe uh, I'll get into that a little bit later, but um, what you do in, in, you know, those big best of three tournaments. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I, I like to think those large tournaments of best of three are, are pretty much the gold standard when it comes to competitive play. Because like when you go to a regional, you know your day one is going to be nine rounds of best of three. It's going to be an all day. It's going to be a slog. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be mentally taxing. Right. But, but the more times you do it, the more times you can prepare for it. And I think that's what new players that come into a regional event, you know, they might fizzle out early, but they understand how to mentally prepare for it going forward. Mm -hmm. um, I remember at my first regional, I went, I think one, two drop, but I played the side events after. And I think it's just realizing to have fun with it in the end as a first time player going to those regionals. It's like, sure, I dropped early, but there's always those fun things you can do. Um, and I think being around the people that you want to, you know, that you go with, and that, you know, you can always hash out games, you know, talk about the bad beats, you know, right. talk about the good times. I think that helps as well because the mental preparation or the preparation of going into those events and each game is huge. If you go up into a game upbeat, you know, you always feel like you have the best options going forward. And especially in those high stress situations where you're going to win it in or a win to stay alive or, you know, those mental game three plays. You know, you, you want to be at the peak at any given time. So I guess the right. big things I like to do when I first go into those regionals is make sure I get a good night's sleep. Right. I know, I know I'm going to be up at eight o'clock. So I definitely want to be in bed by like, you know, 1030 at the latest. Making sure that I, I guarantee myself eight hours sleep means I'm not, you know, physically, you know, hampered by not sleeping enough. Um then eating is another big thing. It's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to focus on making sure that I'm not hungry going into an event, you know, always having breakfast, even if it's just like a bowl of oatmeal, a bit of water, you know, it, it'll, it'll help you curb 
you know, at least that mentally going forward. So you're not thinking about that and you're thinking about the correct play. Right. Uh, and then even keeping a water bottle and a granola bar in your bag. Uh, because there's going to be a lot of times in those best of three games where you're going into back and back to back going into time and you're not, and you don't have time in between rounds to go, you know, get a full meal or go mm-hmm. grab something post by a vendor. I know that. Sometimes you, so, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to pound in that protein bar or a granola bar and just, you know, get ready for the next one and then just take a swig of water and go to town. Right. Um, so I think always just having that ready and, and having less, mental you know mental hampers uh really help trying to prepare yourself for that nine round slog right you know like if you break a sleeve i have extra sleeves if i'm thirsty i got water if i'm hungry i got food i think having answers to problems makes less problems when you're playing i'd agree so yeah i'll i guess i'll go into my experience now where you know i i felt that i prepared enough as far as like what the projected meta was going to be, um, what my 60 was going to be the matchup spreads. And I felt really comfortable in that. And um, you know, you were helping me with, with a lot of that, with just kind of preparing. Um, And a lot of what we prepared for was, was there. So, I mean, I I played against a lot of what the projected meta was going to be, but like you said, um, it comes down to those just being prepared for food, for just um, pace of play um and, and just going through games my first four rounds i was sitting in a really good spot i was uh i was 3-1 going into the next round i actually ended up i, I ended up winning that one but it was against a, a malamar again um it was a very tight game went to time after you know after both rounds finished off takes a win going right into another um slug fest where i went to time again um ended up tying but like you kind of both alluded to um there was no real downtime after that and i was just like i felt myself hit that wall and like i had no answers like you were saying if if i'm hungry have some food or something like that um so going into that next round i I, went to match three again and then i made a really egregious mental math mistake um Based and, and, and that's not one that I would normally make. So I really kind of do attribute to that to not being prepared as far as uh, just, you know, the grind between rounds and, you know, not having that time to mentally recover slash eat or get something in my system. Um, so I can be as sharp as can be. And so that is like the biggest takeaway I took from there um, is, is just that physical preparation that you, one might not think of um, going into a larger tournament. For sure. Uh, I think another thing too, especially that you alluded, we did play test going towards the tournament. I think hashing out an event before, I would say at least a week or two before you actually go to the event is going to help you out tremendously. Talking with like-minded players about certain decks, what you would expect, you know, play testing, um, picking up text for certain matchups. I think that's very important. And I think that's also another fun part about, you know, preparing for a regional. You know, I, I have some of my most fun times uh, playing with friends and getting ready for these tournaments. Uh, I mean, my old playtesting group was called the Lions, and we always used to call like my spot, like the Lions Den, where we all all the Lions <laughs> would come together and we'd right. all prepare. We'd all prepare for a regional, and uh, we, you know, we'd hash out cards, you know, prepare the deck, you know, and any kind of text and anything like that. 
but we were all six-minded people trying to achieve a goal for the some of us that went. And right. I think that's and I think that's also like a fun part about the whole regional experience itself. Um, yeah. So I think that's just another aspect of you know preparedness that you go into one of these events right. going forward. Right. Um, so Chuck, um, was there any other uh, takeaways that you you had in this IRL event? Um, not necessarily meta related, but um, just something that you ran into that you might not have necessarily expected after just playing locals and playing on um, on ladder and uh, on the client. Um, I mean, the one thing you you know we've alluded to it, but just like the your pace of play with the best of three, um, really getting that down and just not um, not taking forever. Uh, and then knowing, knowing how to keep your opponent moving as well. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was on both ends of that spectrum. Um, I was one at one point, the slow guy. And then at later was playing in someone slower than me. So um, knowing how to keep that going. So like, and, and giving yourself every opportunity. So right. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Pace of play was one thing I was worried about. Um, just in, you know, the game of X-Wing, there's a lot of slow players that intentionally play the game slow to try to, um, you know, have a wing condition there. So I didn't know if that would convert into Pokemon, at least in my very limited experience. Now, um, none of my player or my opponents were that type of player. Um, they were all very friendly and their pace of play was not an issue um, in any of my games. Um, so that was one like fresh breath of air um, that I had. But the one other thing I would say is keeping yourself and your opponent accountable. I've had, I had two instances that kind of made my, uh, you know, that were eye-opening in not necessarily a negative or a positive way, um, but I made a misplay and I immediately, like I, I called an attack and I was like, well, as like, even before I completed the sentence, I'm like, no, can I take that back? And my opponent said no, because I, did, I didn't play a card beforehand. Um, and so knowing that, you know, I need to keep myself accountable and make sure I do all of my plays before I declare X action is a thing. And my opponent is well within their rights to say no there. Um, I asked to take it back. If he says yes, cool. If not, I mean, there's no hard feelings there. It's more of just a, it's okay to say that. Um, and that's kind of refreshing to me. Um, and then before that matchup, I actually had an opponent kind of do a similar thing where they played a card down and they, they, as a supporter, and they said, no, uh, I, let me change that. And I, I, I should have then as a player said, no, I'm going to hold you to that. Um, and it ended up costing me that game. Um, so it's not a bad thing to say, Hey, I'm going to hold you accountable to what you, you know, declared. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think another thing too is don't be afraid to call the judge. Uh, right. the, ju the judge is a mediator and they're going to listen and they're going to understand and, and understand the best way to resolve an issue. Uh, they're not there. You're not going to rule shark. If you're not there to rule shark, you know, they're, they're just there to help. Right. And try to alleviate a situation that, you know, can be, can try to be reversed. So long as it, the board state is not completely altered or to a point where it's a game loss. Right. But, but a judge is there to help confirm plays that you want to do. 
it, you know, you should never be afraid. I, I know I've called a judge on myself many a time because I want to make sure the play I do is correct. Right. And that, and that there's no way that my opponent can rebuttal, you know, anything that I've done. Like I, I remember I, I had like two cards left in deck and the, those two cards were the cards that I needed. And no, I had no cards left in deck. And I told my opponent, you know, I'm, I'm going to play Sycamore. I'm going to call a judge first. And because Sycamore said, discard your hand, then draw seven, you discard your hand first. Right. So the judge said, yeah, go ahead, you know, discard your hand, because that's the first thing that it says you can do and go about it. So, of course, I did, and I ended up winning the play. I was playing Turbo Dark, and I remember my last Dark Energy was in my hand. I needed the Dark Cry GX and bring it back and get enough energy on board so I can do my Dark Pulse attacking in the game. Okay. So I think understanding that, Sure. It's like, you can understand the rules, but the judges are there to help, you know, alleviate and explain rules as well. Um, and I guess to that, when you want to go into an event and you want to be mindful of time, I think you want to go into a tournament knowing at least a deck that you want to play, you've played it at least a hundred times. Uh, I, I think a hundred times playing a deck, you understand how the deck works. You've seen enough matchups, you know, when you're losing, um, and you know when you're winning. Uh, right. so, so when you're totally losing, you know that time to scoop up, save that time, and be ready. It's like, because you've seen it at least a dozen times by that point. It's like, you know, when you're playing rapid strike, you know, your opponent's fully set up. There's no way you're going to get a rapid flow, and they're just going to, then they're going to win within two turns. So you scoop up, you get ready for the next one. And then at those certain times where you know you're going to win, you're just kind of waiting on your opponent at that point. If right. they want to waste the time, it's on them. And you can never intentionally, you know, go slow. Like, take as much time as you want in your action. There's going to be no ding-ding. Yeah. But you have to be – but you can be mindful of it as well. Um, I, I know there's many a times where I've played an opponent and they played slow. But the issue – I think the issue arises where they're – it's like you never want to tell your opponent to play faster because it's, it's against the rules to say stuff like that because then you're trying to change the pace of play. And then when a judge comes, you're like, oh, you're trying to dictate the pace of play. That's a two-prize penalty for you. Mm -hmm. but, but even though you got your message across, it was not a detriment. So it, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Right. Um, yeah. but, but you have to ask your opponent that too. It's like, you know, it, if, if you play slow and play for the tie, does it really benefit both sides right you know where, where sometimes if you take the loss sometimes you just you know you have to take that loss and you know at least you played to the best and to the you know as quick to your ability as possible i mean i have i can i can speak to that just from experience from this tournament because i i at the same point where i was playing slow there was a, a round i was playing against the single prize deck i don't even know what to call it because it was some spicy stuff that i haven't seen before but um, I was just trying to figure out a play to counteract. And I was, I was thinking, but I was taking too long. Uh, and all, the, uh, all my opponent said was like, hey, what are we doing? Like, like literally just like, what, what, are, what is your play here? Like, what are you, you going to do? Because I was sitting there like doing mental plays, but not doing anything. So that he was a simple question. He didn't, wasn't rude about it or anything. And I was like, you you're right. And then I was like, I just started doing my, I just started doing the actions right? and then finished the play. And I was like, sorry, that play took me a, a minute to get to, I got there in the end, but, and then we just went about our game and I just tried to 
make sure that I wasn't sitting for too long. For and, sure. I mean, he was a great guy. We, we played, we had, we had no big deals after that. Right. Um, but at the same, same case around later, I was playing another player um, that was playing a Mew Genesec deck and they were just taking their time with the turn, not like maliciously going slow. Just, I, at, at the same point, like I can see that I've won this game, but we just still have, like, I can't tell her be like, Hey, I got you. Like, I can't tell the person, like, I got you. Can we scoop, go to game two? Like, <laughs> um, cause I want to, I want to move along. So we, I know we're playing three games because I could feel in that moment that game one went way too long, even though I was winning. Right. So it's just being mindful of time. Um, but yeah, I, that, I, that does kind of bring me to another point though, is, is single prize decks in, in these best of threes. Um, as far as just a meta call, um, I know, uh, Ryan, we've talked many times about Mad Party. Um, Rapid Strike Malamar made a really strong present in the meta. Um, decks like those take a lot of sequencing and a lot of you know time to think your plays out. Um, do you just feel in general um, in a best of three situation that single prize decks... Um, how, how they kind of will affect the, the meta or, or they, are they realistically going to be able to finish three games in that time frame? Because it felt, at least on you know, the outside looking in, um, from my opponents and you know, throughout the meta, even if the players were playing at a decent pace, they were still playing the tie almost. Yeah, it's like I think that still comes back to understanding the deck you're playing and making sure that you have those reps in. So you know those sequencing as best as you possibly can. Can a single prizer do well in the best of three in 50 minutes? I think the answer is yes. Um, but I think you have to be mindful of that time. And I think just understanding that, knowing you're going to have a lot of sequencing, there's a lot of shuffle, um, and trying to make as many plays as you possibly can to reduce the amount of shuffling, like, grabbing level ball saying, Hey, I'm going to go back and search, do your second search, do your thing and try to minimize the amount of, you know, potential shuffle and, and, and time wasters that I like right. to say, you know, wasting time, just trying to, you know, continue the pace of play and just try to do as many things as you possibly can without needing to do that time waster. Right. Um, so I, I think it is possible. We, we play, I mean, the card game has been around long enough that single prizers have been viable and have won, you know, Mm. At, at times so i mean i to say that you know single prizers can't necessarily stand up in a 50 minute you know best of three is you know i don't think it's necessarily you know something that you can say because we've done it before right but i think it's just knowing the deck and then it also comes down to your opponent as well it's like your opponent has to realize at a certain point if they, if they know they're going to win it's like they continue on and then it's and then then it comes back to you as a single prize deck to realize, oh, I'm so far behind. Let's go to the next one. And so you you, you kind of you have to understand that because losing by time is like if you get a tie by time, it's a it's a rough one as a single prize. Right. You want to try the windows quick ones, and or even you know if it, if games do last long, you win that first one, and, and the game lasts long a second time. So long as you're not wasting the time just trying to get that one win and then win that round by just winning the first game, you know, I, I think you, you're fine. 
it's like I, I think you just know your sequencing, you know what you need to do, you know when you're about to lose, and you know when you're going to win. So I, I think it comes down to a bit of your opponent to understand that. And I think with good players that you see at these large events, it's like it's like most of them should understand that as well. Right. It's like you have to assume that they put in the same amount of reps as you. They understand the meta as much as you. Because, I mean, it's a t- you're playing in a $2,000 event. This was for money. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't want to go into anything that I put money down and if not prepared, you know, just on a whim. It's right. like I... It's like when I go to these regionals, I spent, you know, a plane ticket or a drive, you know, my registration, a hotel, you know, and to put no time into any of that is ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I agree. So I, I'm sure you're going to get like a small percentage of players that actually do go into these events with no preparation, but most of them do have that understanding of the meta, what the plays are, you know, when, when they're about to lose and when they're going to win. So I think, with that combination, I think single prizes do stand a favor, you know, a favorable chance going forward. Mm-hmm. But hey, you never know. Matches go long, things happen. Right. You never know. I, I think uh, just doubling down on what, what Ryan said though, with single prizes, you just have to be ever more cognizant of when like are you like are you gonna win? Are you losing? and call it because when i was playing the one gentleman that was playing the single prize deck the first game like i was i got to like three prizes i took three prizes and then his turn he he did his turn but then didn't attack he's like let's go to let's go to round two right because i think he, he knew his window where he had to basically even up prize trade or he was done so he moved to game two uh, and then we went from there and we went, went all the way to time to the last turn till he beat me at the very end of that turn. Right. But if like, he doesn't scoop down, that's potentially like 10, 15, 20 minutes that he wouldn't have had to get to the, the win condition in game three. So, yeah, very good point there. Um, all right. So the last thing I really want to talk about as far as IRL play with these kind of events coming up. Um, is just the evaluating the meta beforehand and like maybe just some things that you notice since you're a little bit more experienced in this, um, like going into specific metas to kind of call the meta. Like we like we were testing, we kind of called Mew is going to be the lion's share. I think everybody's seen that. Um, you're going to see a very high percentage of dark box decks because, um, you know, Mew is such a, a meta deck. And then you, you get these Duraladons and then you have, you know, single prizers, um, Mad Party, Malamar. Um, and then there's a certain percentage of, of just random decks that you're going to see. Um, but what are some kind of tips or, or things you've done in the past um, in a broad statement of is just to prepare yourself for just the meta game in general? See, I, I like this question because if you were going to talk to me three years ago about this, you kind of have to look at past events and how things shaped up in past events and past regionals to really get an idea of how the meta will shape up. Mm. Because a lot of the play that we did, and, and I guess meta forecasting that was done, was based on previous tournaments that were done on a large scale, like a regional. Right. Now, since the pandemic has, has happened, and it's still happening, uh, Limitless has now become a great resource for players to, to get an understanding of the meta and, and understand those meta shifts. Um, 
we see tons of meta shifts nowadays where there's so many large online events you know there's one happening right now as we speak um, that are at, at a large regional scale a lot of times different decks win and a lot of different plays do generally well because the meta has shifted so much that a certain play just stands out it's like mm -hmm. maybe a maybe a runaway grass deck does well because there was a lot of i don't know stuff that was weak to grass that just you know popped up so i it's i think it's a lot more easier to predict a certain meta because a lot of those same decks will always show up in those large limitless style events that they'll never go away in a larger real life event it's right. like you knew you knew new d-backs was going to do well in the in the in the in the 2k because a lot of people were still playing you it was still a powerful deck it was still doing good and then you you also knew that Arceus was the up and coming, you know, very energy accelerated, powerful deck. And you knew that was probably going to be about a little bit more than half the 60% of the meta. I think that's what we kind of figured out at the time. Right. And then it's just a matter of figuring out that 40. Um, I think we had an idea with the single, you know, the single prizes and everything like that. And there was a few surprises. Uh, honestly, I didn't think dark, uh, the dark box stuff was going to be as prominent. Right. Uh, I, I would have thought we would have saw more certain types of other decks, like more Mad Party. Um, I think there was another, yeah, I think more Rapid Strike, you know, stuff like that. But mm -hmm. hey, Dark Box came in numbers and they did extremely well. Yeah, um, we Weezing definitely showed up to play this weekend. Yeah, yeah it, it's like, yeah, that, that's still just a great play. So I think you can still take what we've learned from Limitless over the past two and a half years give or take or something like that yeah and and uh and you can apply that now into real life and and real life play because those you know those big style events that you see online are, are also going to transition to irl right it's like, it's like if you see a lot of you doing well you're going to be playing new in regionals right so i i think i think that's something new and i think that's something excited are exciting that people are going to realize when they play regional events going forward like i'm excited to see what people bring to salt lake city now that they've seen the 2k and recent events in limitless mm -hmm. uh to un i guess to really see how the meta shapes because hey you never know I'll, maybe there might be an increased amount of dark players coming this weekend because mew is coming out in large numbers right and, and dark just does so well or you could see something completely different and I think that's that's also exciting. Like uh, I, I I do think Limitless is just such a great resource now that you just can't ignore it. And right. that's something that we've never really had, aside from just general deck lists that we had on Limitless from previous events. That 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 you hope people shared. Right. To now knowing what people played on an online event and knowing all their deck lists because it's an open deck list tournament is going is is just a fantastic resource. Right, I agree. And then just being able to see the the meta, um, you know, the percentages of each deck and, you know, just generally how each deck is done. So uh, it's a very great tool to really predict and help, um, you know, uh, you know, see what's going to happen in the next ones. And I think it just makes it where everybody, it, well, the opportunity for everybody to go to these um, events to be super prepared, um, even more so than pre-pandemic. Um, just means for better play, and that's exciting in and itself. I'm I'm going to make a bold call right now that Gengar Vmax is going to win Salt Lake City. 
we'll see we'll see <laughs> i mean mew's still gonna be there but um maybe people are gonna be a little off mew because um you know you, you're seeing um duraladon with with um arceus and then you're also seeing those dark box decks so you know it's not out of the realm of possibility for sure yeah i don't know you heard it here first we heard it here first well on that note i think that's about all i had as far as just um you know irl play and all that stuff um unless chuck you have anything else no i think we've uh picked this tree bear i think on this one for sure. Now, this was a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on, um, talking all things Pokemon with us um, there, Ryan. Um, before we let you go, though, do you have any shout outs or plugs that you want to, to throw out there? For sure. Um, I definitely want to shout out my my number one homie, Jay Lesage. Uh, always kicking my butt at the gym and uh, <laughs> always sticking it out with me. Uh, I want to shout out my old playtesting group, the Lions. Uh, I do miss you guys very much. And otherwise, I just want to Thank you guys for having me on. And I hope maybe that I can do this again sometime. This was oh, for absolutely sure. fantastic. No, I had a, I had a blast talking with you. And uh, again, thank you for coming on and also just kind of um, kind of taking me under your wing and, and kind of doing the playtesting thing. And it's, it's, I've learned a lot from you all in this short amount of time. And uh, I just can't wait to see um, IRL play and like just how we do at, you know, going into these metas. So, um, best of luck to you going forward and in, into this, uh, IRL season. Um, no worries. That just means you're <laughs> going to help me out for, for New Jersey. Oh, for sure. May. Well, I'll, I'll help you out to a point because I'll be there as well. Uh, and I plan on winning Jersey. So <laughs> we'll see you at the final table when I win. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just leave me out of the equation. <laughs> No, Chuck, one you know, we play Rayquaza. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't want to kiss your feet, so I'm not helping you. <laughs> All right. Just kidding. Well, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out, um, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. Uh, if, as always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating, or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is, it goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake, where can you reach us directly? Yeah, you can get me at Pinux1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWimsy and Ryan at ry for gaming you can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at PitPokeyPod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We will see you all next time. See you later. <laughs>